Hello? Uncle Mike. Mark, is that you? Back again. Two times in one day. Yeah, how's it going? What, what's been going on since? What has been going on since? Well, my friend Paul Wall and I came up. Uh, my friend Paul Wall came up, and he and I, we, uh, we took a trip to BB's because we had to get some stuff from, um, from the local Amish discount grocer. Like People come in the parking lot. It's filled with people who are driving from New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Baltimore, and they're buying tons of the BB stuff. And then they're driving back to their markets, and then they're reselling it. BBs. We've talked about BBs before. We have. And so I was watching that unfold, but Paul came. And so we walked around, and uh, the the inventory on the shelves is noticeably lower. And so I don't know how much of that, what, what exactly are all the causes, but that that has been one of the cases I've been on since the last time we spoke. Okay. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, the, um, it's the funniest thing because there's, there's, we're in Southern Lancaster County and both Paul and I cut an unusual figure, meaning we don't look like anyone else. And it's like kind of unabashed in terms of presentation and just like the stairs, it's, it's one of the funniest things. It's, it's my favorite part of doing it. Can you describe Paul Wall's appearance for people who didn't hear you describe him the first time we talked about? All him? right. So, so Paul Wall sitting next to me right now. Um, and <laughs> I don't oh, even know hi, how Paul I look. Uh, he cannot hear though. Cause I got to on the, uh, on, on, um, headphones. I would say he's probably like, how tall are you? Five, nine. Five what? Five seven. He's got a mohawk. Um, he's uh, of moderate build. Uh, he's got a few tattoos. He's wearing a wife beater with a, with a chain around his neck and a ring hanging from it. And then these jeans that look like he's probably from like the 1950s and a black leather belt and loafers. Okay, stylish, but maybe not the style that they're used to over there. I don't think that this. Is, I mean, it doesn't really fit. Mo, like it's 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 a very unique. Like it's well put. Like it it looks like it's out of a movie. Like literally, like like we look like two people. I don't know what we look like, but we definitely look like we deserve to be in a movie. And when we go to BBs, walking around like that, it's just the funniest thing. I don't doubt so it. That's what, so that's what was happening. And then we also looked at, um, uh, there, there's just a lot of the interesting uh, commerce going on right now. We, we're just commenting right now about just like the shift because he's spending time in Baltimore, so the place in Baltimore, and, then, and, and, and in Bel Air as well, um, which is outside of Baltimore, kind of like a more rural sort of place. And then coming here in Lancaster, which is much more rural than Bel Air. So he's got his, his pulse in a lot of different sort of um, uh, um, demographics or areas, like, you know, urban to suburban to rural, and just noticing the changes, like everything from uh, ATMs just spitting out $10 bills to, as we talked about earlier, the special forces training happening out in the woods. Mm-hmm. 
Right. So we're, we're you know, we're, we're trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, at the same time, like, you know, developing a strong network here within the Amish community. That's literally what Paul Wall's, um, Paul Wall's uh, uh, part of his purpose of coming here. There's this guy, and, and we just called him Hitchhiking Henry. He's an Amish man who Paul Wall picked up hitchhiking. Um, and he got he got Henry's telephone call and or telephone number, and they had a discussion in Paul bringing Henry and his crew down to Baltimore to work in groups. And so they're kind of like seeing if that can come together. But nonetheless, uh, Paul gives him Paul gives him a call while we were waiting for to go into to BB's, and the phone literally had to ring like twenty five times. Because this is like maybe the phone is to like there there if you could picture one in outhouses there's a lot of these phone outhouses um, near the Amish farm so it rings and rings and rings and finally this lady like answers the phone and it was it was one of the funniest strangest conversations um, listening to those two worlds and energies meet but um, you know that's what's happening down here yeah kind of like a operator from another time right this definitely feels like there's an operation afoot. well you know like when you would dial and it would be like operator who do you need except it's like some lady running out to an outhouse and then she's got to go and run and get whoever the call was meant for uh or there relay is, the info there's certainly a um there's certainly a quality which uh, about this, which that's a, a fair, a fair uh, uh, picture to think of. Hmm. All right. Well, we were going in a, a few different directions last night, and then I feel like we we only talked about because last night you and I spoke on the phone off record, and then this morning when we recorded, we really only touched on the whole Colonial Heights, Virginia thing. But I feel like there was more than that that you and I discussed the night before. Maybe I'm misremembering, but I thought you had some some things to fill us in on uh, as far as what's been going on in your past week, unless you just did, because there's a, a one or two things I want to get to before we have our mystery All guest right, well, jump let, in. Let's- Let's pick up. Let's pick up uh, what you attached. And I'm about to send you just some pictures, Paul Wall, so you can you can see that and post that. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is literally like right across, like where where we sit at Gnome Countryside is um, like there's a road. It's literally this road that I've talked to you about many times, and there's that stand right there, and you can buy a copy of Right to the Forty Parallel at that stand. Oh, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? At the stand, they they're selling copies of your your book. Do you see the picture of the stand which I'm talking about? Uh, now I'm looking at it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, you showed me that so, before. Right. So that's on the side of the road here, and so now I have um, after speaking to the person who who owns the stand. A copy of Rights to the Forty Parallel. It's the only place you can buy it in person. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Synchronicity has it. All right. So, 
what was it then? Is there anything going on or was I misremembering? Uh, I think you were remembering correctly. I just don't know what the answer is. Huh. Well, I saw something pretty incredible yesterday. I told you about the Bobcat, but I, the day before we went to, or no, I can't remember if it was, a, yeah, it was, it was either Saturday or Sunday. We were driving and um, <clears throat> we saw what we can only describe as an eagle dance, which is interesting okay. because uh, Lindsay Sharman, who you know, you've been on her show before of Rogue Ways podcast. She was a guest on Tinfoil Hat and she was talking about the eagle dance. And it was a significant part of this experience that she had that was very traumatic and doing these eagle dance moves uh, helped her, you know, avoid whatever pain was coming to her in that moment, in that experience. And Sam Tripoli and Johnny and XG were like, well, show us the eagle dance. And Lindsay was like, well, I can't show you guys, you know, it was kind of funny. Because they're a little dumbfounded, like, well, why can't you show us? Um, kind of being, like, skeptical when, you know, it's more of a sacred thing. It's not for people to see on a public, you know, podcast like that. So we saw, uh, as we were driving, and this conversation, I should say, Tara and I, we don't... She doesn't listen to every episode of Tinfoil Hat. Every now and then I'll hear one that I think she should listen to and I'll recommend it. So this is one I recommended her listen to. And the eagle dance stood out. Then we're driving on Saturday over this river, uh, over a bridge that goes over a dam. And Tara points out a hawk flying, chasing a, a bald eagle. Or a bald eagle, rather, chasing a hawk, right? They're sort of uh, in pursuit of one another in the air. And as the bald eagle is trying to evade this hawk, it does a barrel roll in midair. And it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. This five foot long wingspan, you know, completely going flip turn over. So its belly was facing the sky. It almost looked like it was going to get its talons in the hawk and try to rip him off his, off his balance or his axis, you know. Um, but yeah, it was crazy to see that. I mean, we, we see bald eagles every now and then now, but five, 10 years ago, wasn't really that common. I think they've sort of re-nested the Southern New England area. Huh. So, so there are a couple of things. You gave me two things to respond to. So, um, Perfect. So the, so the first thing would be the, the actual, um, the actual sighting. Uh, you capture uh, you, you capture a lot of good interaction. I mean, to see a bobcat and to see that, and uh, I mean, I'm always on the lookout. So uh, you got you definitely got a, a good magnitude there with those animals. But um, that's a, so what did you what, what, how did you how did you internalize what did you do with watching that 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 eagle dance that barrel roll what did it mean to you that's a yeah I, I think that was really more for for Tara than for me you know it was kind of like 
you know, here's the eagle showing us a part of its dance and the, the importance of the spiral and the importance of the wheel, the importance of the circle. And Tara and I have been studying the medicine wheel book, The Dancing with the Wheel, which was written by uh, Sun Bear, probably the most well-known, but two other authors helped him write this book. And it's one of the books that I talked to you about that kind of fell in correlation with the Gaia Matrix and all of right. these, you know, books that Tara and I found last summer. So they're kind of, you know, repeating the, the rhyming of history in a small scale, maybe, is what I got out of it. But yeah, I think it was really more for Tara. And actually, she she wood burns, right? She does wood burning art. And okay. um, the day before she wood burned an image of a bald eagle. <laughs> so what are the odds that I had this like wood burned eagle? Uh, and the, you know, the same day or day after we see this bald eagle. And when was it that she listened to the, the, the Lindsay? That was uh, at least a week ago, a week and a half ago. So, so it began with that. Is that what it began? Yeah, that so was just, kind of where you know we just both when, had a, a visceral emotion about it. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, definitely a um, a powerful, a powerful thing to interact with. I. Um, I'm just intrigued by the the flow of that archetype through all of the different, um, you know, the mediums. Well, and you know, the, the, the bald eagle is the spirit of the East too, in this medicine wheel arrangement. So what, what is the significance of that then? Well, according to Sun Bear and how he describes it, the four directions all have their corresponding um, spirit keepers from the each each of the families, mineral, plant, animal, uh, and then there's some elemental forces too. But yeah. So I guess my, my question is then, how does the East tie in then to what you guys saw? Well, I guess just being on the East Coast and, and, and oh, having, more, Coast. Yeah, gotcha. having more of a, of a sort of... Because, you know, the, with being friends with so many people all over the place, it's easy to think like, oh, I wish we lived here. We wish we, but it's important also to remember to cherish the place where you're at, you know? That is for certain. Um, and I, I confer with you that uh, the amount of eagles, um, I mean, I guess what? The ones, eagles once were like an endangered species list, and they're not anymore. And right. so, like, I've just noticed, like, um, uh, just anecdotally, like, seeing, seeing more eagles. Because, you know, eagles, I'm, I'm always looking at birds. I like I like to look at birds. And I like to pay a lot of attention to to, to birds in particular. And, and the eagle is obviously one of the most striking and, and symbolically rich, particularly here. And so, yeah, like, you know, I always notice, like, the frequency in terms of which which I would see eagles and um, this is kind of, yeah, interesting. Cause I, I thought this was normal. I've got a, I've got a friend who lives, um, who lives on the, the, the York County side or the opposite side of the Susquehanna kind of near where I am, but he lives right down by there. And there's a, there's a bridge. There's this really like, um, in this part of, actually, this isn't where he lives. It's even further down. So if anyone is familiar with this part of, 
of Maryland um, or Pennsylvania. It's the Route 1 bridge. It, it is the only way to cross the Susquehanna for like probably 30 miles above or 30 miles below. Um, and it is just the creepiest bridge to cross. It is part of a hydroelectric dam system. And it's a really long bridge. And the road, you're going over this dam that was built in maybe like the 40s or the 50s. And, and the lanes feel entirely too close. Like everything about it is just like not a pleasant experience. So, uh, but it's the only place you could also cross the river for, for quite a bit of time. So, um, you know, it, it's used. But the point I'm trying to make, all of this, to circle this back, what does this have to do with anything? So I was crossing it, um, I want to say it was in the spring. And have you ever seen when, when vultures roost together, you might see like maybe 60 or 70 vultures in, a, in the same tree? Have you ever seen that before? Yeah, it's called a wake. Okay, yes, yeah. So it's like, and if the first time you see it, like it's kind of striking to see so many vultures, like all in the same tree or trees. Right. So I saw that with eagles. I've never seen that. So it was on the other side. It was on, on the Pennsylvania side. Actually, no, I guess on Route 1, that would just be Maryland on both sides. Um, but it's on, it's, it's, it's on, on the same side, which I'm sitting on the eastern side of the Susquehanna, and there were like 50, 60 eagles just all roosted in this bald tree. Right. All bald eagles. You know what that's just, called? What's that called? Well, it has a couple different names. There's the most common one is a convocation. A convocation. And then there's also, it's also called a jubilee, a tower, a soar of eagles, or like a S-O-A-R, like soaring. Uh, okay. And then the other one is airy, A-E-R-I-E, an airy of eagles. <laughs> All right, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Wow! I want to know who the guy. I want to know who the guy was who got to come up with all with the labeling of the groups groupings of animals. I know, I think, right? I think that's one of my favorite things <laughs> in the English language of how of of that. We did talk about that once, uh, for sure. When we were talking about the turtles, we talked about that. But I think it's come up more than once. I mean, I could remember looking this up several different times. But yeah, it always fascinated me that a a group of vultures or a group of um, buzzards is called a wake. We, Tara and I have come across a wake of vultures on the side of the road once over by that West Rock Mountain. I was telling you that I, we also saw the coyote and the National Guard guys doing some kind mm. of exercise. Right. Same, same mountain. But, so you saw these eagles. When was this? That was you were going this over the bridge? Spring. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the spring. So that was the only reason I brought that up is you were talking about the increase in the number of eagle sightings. Right. And I've been watching them slowly increase. And then I saw that and I thought it was, and I, I, I don't think I, I saw it. It was shocking. I was like, wow, that's a ton of eagles. But I'm like, yeah, I bet you they do that all the time <clears throat> in the same way that um, vultures do that. I remember the first time was when I moved to Marietta, Pennsylvania, seven years ago, that I saw vultures do that. And like at first I was like, oh my God, what's going on? This is really, <coughs> excuse me, unique and special. And then I realized that like every single night they did it in the same tree. And then it became unique and special for a different reason. But I thought the same would probably hold true with the eagles. 
And then when I told my friend who is much more knowledgeable about um, that area and just animal behavior in general, he was like, no, that's not a common, that's not a common thing, or at least for him, he didn't think it was common to say. Hmm. Yeah, no, I couldn't even imagine that. I thought that eagles were solitary, at least with their nests. Oh, this was, yeah, it was. So then that would make it even more interesting. Yeah. I yeah, always love sure. the, the, um, uh, I, I'm a sucker for animal stories, mm-hmm. like particular, particularly like the elephant stories. Mm. You know how like elephants are known to like, particularly as it relates to elephant burials, um, like there was a very well-known story or a uh, pop. Uh, yeah, I guess it was a well-known story about a guy who was 50 years working in some sort of elephant refugee in Africa. And then when he died for whatever reason, elephants in the entire like 500 mile area sensed it. And they all like returned to like where that guy died, like stuff like that. Those are, those are the type of stories I like to hear. <laughs> you're, you're reminding me of a, uh a podcast I was listening to with Tara, this kid um, that I met recently, his name's Little Raven, and he does like funny uh, segments in the introduction to a podcast, which this is an introduction to an interview podcast, and Mike still doesn't know the who the guests are yet, which I think is fun. And this guy, he does like, a, like characters, but he uses... Um, these sort of voices that you can get on your computer if you just, you know, type a phrase in and then a computer voice reads it. So he okay. u- he uses all these different characters and makes like a little like fun scene, almost like a radio show. And in the one okay. we were listening to, the, the f- thing that was cracking me up was one of the characters had a baby elephant that was a homunculus that it created. <laughs> just, just picture a podcast intro that starts with an elephant blaring, you know, horn you know it's just it was it was unconventional and perfectly funny just the way he set it up so you, you reminded me of that with the elephant thing but you know i've ridden an elephant once when when i was a kid i went to the bantam fair which is up in litchfield county connecticut and my grandfather and i uh, rode an elephant around a circle it was probably a, a poor you know a uh, sad, abused elephant. I regret that, but it was fun experience as a kid. That's for sure. You certainly recall it. Yeah, <laughs> I can't forget that. Certainly not. So, so what's the plan? What's what? Let's start. Let's start thinking about the 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 the, the interview. Like what 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 we're, what's what's about to happen. So set the stage. Mm. Well, I did have a clever way of leading us into it, but I guess. Well, I'm, well I was going to say, like, I was, well, we'll do your clever way, but I was like, just so, like, anyone who's listening, what they know what's about to happen. Well, like I just said, we have, uh, we have two guests, actually. And I think it'd be fun maybe if you have a guest. If not, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask you about. Um, well, this will give it away. Now I can't really say it because it'll just give it away. Don't but... give it away. I do not like giveaways. <laughs> okay, good. So, so yeah, we have guests that Mike is not aware of who they are yet, and uh, and they'll be joining us very shortly in, in five minutes or so. I've been in the Zoom meeting. The Zoom meeting is set up. They'll be able to hear Mike. I'll be able to hear Mike. 
and uh, they'll you'll be able to hear them if all goes well. So it's almost it's almost like a surprise party because I'm not certain who I'm talking to, but I know these people. You do. You do. So I really, I really can't. I, I don't want to say anything else about it because I feel like it's such then a giveaway say, to, to oh, then, you know. Then, then we're not going to gonna say any further. <laughs> any further. Oh. All right, but we're not, we're not ready yet. No, they're not here yet. We can, if you want, we can pause the recording and just. Uh, no, but that that is still no. Let's just let's switch gears, and when they're here, I'll I'll Perfect. properly introduce Perfect. them. So now now you got me excited. It's like Christmas, <laughs> right? Right. Well, I'm glad my grandfather came up with the elephant thing because I was looking uh, within the realm of CERN uh, and trying to see you know what correlations I can draw from CERN, and I hadn't realized how far up. Northern Europe is on the map as far as parallels go. The 40th yeah. parallel is all the way down. Uh, it goes through Spain and Greece, whereas CERN is up on the 46th parallel, which only goes through um, Maine, a little bit through Maine, and it goes through um, like the northern, northern half of the United States, Montana, North Dakota, Oregon. Um, and so on. It actually hits the Pacific Ocean at Astoria, Oregon. So I was thinking, you know, they put they put like this Stranger Things show out there. It seems to have some kind of vague connection to CERN in some way. So I'm like, hmm, let me let me see what's going on with the parallel here. And I know some people have made the correlation with Stranger Things that it's kind of got the 80s vibe so it's sort of like a throwback to Goonies which happened in Astoria, in Astoria. right which is on the same line of uh, latitude as the um, CERN which is interesting because if uh, really uh, like I said it only goes through a few places in the United States, only a few states. So of all places for, you know, them to, I don't know, it just feels like somehow there's a, a correlation. And then, of course, Indiana um, is where Stranger Things takes place in the fictional town of Hawkins. And we know Indiana uh, is right on the 40th parallel, is divided in half by the 40th parallel. Hmm. So All right. So, so I want to go. I want to go back to the original, uh, the, just the original concept of CERN, because in the last, what was it? Was it a couple of days ago? It was the fifth? I think it was the fifth when 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 CERN was um, like they did they did a major CERN experiment, right? Right. That was the fifth, right? And so. Um, and then the next day, the 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 Georgia Guidestone explodes. <laughs> yeah. Oh right? my gosh! Yeah. How could I have forgotten that? Yeah. So so, so like <laughs> you know, like 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 so 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 how does that make sense in a Stranger Things world? So first off, is like I still have like if I were to go and go with probabilities, I'm going to say there is a. I'm going to go twenty percent. I'm going to say there's a twenty percent in my mind likelihood that there's no such thing as CERN at all. Like it's 100% like invented on the internet and all this stuff uh, with the sole and purpose of creating in 
a whole bunch of people's minds the idea that CERN exists to like kind of like egregore it into existing. Like I'm like, okay, there's a chance it doesn't exist at all. Um, and so if that's the case, that every time they go and they start putting out these stories of like, okay, this is going to be the biggest turn on of of of, the, of of CERN, like all that's doing is that's pumping, you know, whatever proportion, whatever amount of of the population mind that already has a picture in their mind of what CERN is and what CERN can do. They're all at the same time. They're like thinking about it. So, so like that's happening, like one way or the other, whether or not CERN actually is turned on, but let's assume CERN is turned on. And we know that CERN, uh, assuming CERN's a real thing, it's got a, it's got a possibility, you know, there's a real possibility that like, yeah, they're really like very serious CERN scientists who are punch trying to punch holes into the 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 space time continuum fabric for the purpose of like you know I don't know like time travel or something like that like you know creating up these wormholes and so like let's say that's a thing and let's say that's really happening like did they open up a wind a wormhole and then they like shot a laser through it and it exploded <laughs> the, the 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 Georgia Guidestones because there's footage there's footage of of it exploding but there's no footage of anyone ever like planting explosives and you're like well what exactly what is happening with that like is that even real as well like this is another thing which you know i just see on the screen so like the the continuum and i'm saying this is because i'm trying to paint uh like just like some stretches of the continuum of like what the hell just happened like you know do do you do you think that really happened do you how do you make sense of that two-day one-two punch how does that make sense to you mystic mark i (laughs) I don't make sense of it. There's a lot of different layers there. I think we need to revisit that in the outro because our guests are here. And uh, and they're not aware that this is a surprise to you, Mike. So if they're hearing me right now, uh, welcome. Uh, introduce yourselves because Mike isn't aware <laughs> that, you're, that, that we're going to be talking to you gentlemen today. So... I don't, I'm nervous to to reveal it and then have technical issues and find out you guys aren't here yet. So, <laughs> so this is the fun of doing this all live. We might have to edit some of this out, but I'm trying to at least record your uh, reaction, Mike. <laughs> all right. Can anyone hear us? Still connecting. Don't see the audio on yet. Alright. Oh, where did this go? So this huge dragonfly just... I think it's a dragonfly. Just laying there and take a picture. Like, how big are dragonflies? Like, would they be four inches long? That sounds about right. I've seen... The one that landed on our book yesterday was about two inches. It wasn't that big. Here we go. Now we've got both guests. Okay, I wasn't sure if they'd be in the same room or something. Um, hello. Peace, peace. All right. I think that should be enough now, Mike. What do you think? Hey. Oh, hold on. I, could, I couldn't hear. Who, who, who's on the phone? Peace, peace. It's cool for a Get out. 
Yes, sir. <laughs> All my right. Pittsburgh, my Pittsburgh friend. Uh, I'm having a little trouble hearing them, Mark. Could you could you turn up my? Is there any way to turn that audio up uh, on their end? Yeah, I, I could turn the audio up on their end. Hey, what's going on, Kufu? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Gee, how you doing? Excellent. Mike's on the phone. I hope you can hear him. This is a, a surprise to him. He likes to to not know who the guest is before we do this show. So he's he's here. He's trying to hear you. And then I don't see John, but uh, it seems like John's a, a part of the Zoom meeting. I just don't think his audio is connected yet. I'm right here with Khufu. I'm uh, behind the scenes just getting the rest of it set up. Oh, right on. Okay. Well, nice to meet you both. <laughs> so you guys know that I – so me and Mark do the show, and I was like, all right, Mark, I like the high-wire act. Why don't you bring on guests and you don't tell me who they are so that there's like, it's a real spontaneous sort of conversation. Like I know who they are, but I don't, I can't prepare for them mentally to be on the show. So this is the first time we've spoken live since, since Pittsburgh. When was that? Man, about a month and a half ago, maybe. God, does it feel like, like a, a couple of years ago? Like so much has transpired. Yeah, a lot of a lot of has happened. A lot has happened, but man, your time is definitely flying. I'll tell you that. That is for certain. So, uh, will you do me a favor and bring me up to speed on some of the things which have been happening in Pittsburgh since uh, since we last saw each other? Oh, just uh, dealing with uh, you know individually, like uh, dealing with a lot of synchronicities, man, and just kind of working with the uh, the power of intent and those numbers, you know. And, so what? Uh, so what? What's been hitting for you? Oh, just the people around me, man. Been able to manifest their realities right now. That's the big thing right now. Uh, everybody I'm hooking up with, I'm able to connect them to other people to be able to create something bigger. Mm. And it's it's a consistent thing, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just I'm just I'm just going with the flow as it as it presents itself, and I'm, I'm able to maneuver through it, you know. And add on and take away what I need to take away and make things happen. Because so, yeah. when we were di- when we were down in um, Pittsburgh was that was like a that was a big weekend. Like it uh, like I look back at it now, and that was and I, I want to say it was was in April, and um, so much happened so quickly in my life afterwards. And I see that as kind of like the, the kicking off point in my timeline. Yeah, I think, man, for a lot of people, a lot of transitions were taking place, man. Like, on my block, two people moved to Cleveland. Like, they didn't know each other, but just so happened they were going, like, so many pe- so, so many things turned around for people, like, after that, after that happened, bro. So, yeah, I bear witness. So uh, Riley and I are um, we're manufacturing starboard. Do you remember the starboard? Yes, I remember the starboard. Of course, of course. Of course. So that so that connect happened in Pittsburgh. Yes. And so that was that was uh, that was uh, um, an interesting market. And John, it's good to hear your voice as well. Um, hey, good evening, Michael. Uh, so how about you, John? What what have you noticed since then? I mean, so much of the synchronicities, like Coop said, just all around us, you know, just stay 
you know, in tune with yourself and being able to realize them around you, then the people we come in contact with, how they're affecting. Yeah. Um, I got a chance to go over Riley's house. Okay. And he had some stuff to show me after the event. And I don't know if you were with us when we were in Oakland by the Cathedral Learning. Okay. But we went to the pan statue and a lot of us were talking about that pan statue. And he kind of had the like set up. He went there and studied it, did some decoding. And that whole area is set up almost like the point is set up and how we were all kind of wondering where pan was pointing to. And if you put the statue downtown at the point, it's pointing right at the observatory. Our last stop. So, and then, so what? What? What does that? What does that? What does that suggest to you? That there. I mean, for one, you know, so much with the event and everything happening, but yet again, it was the last stop, and what we learned about the men there that uh, wanted to be buried there. Those two men, and just so much still with the observatory connecting with the hills, the solar systems, as above, so below. I mean, I think there's a lot still to be decoded about that. And then when Riley made like a triangle from the observatory to, I think, the uh, one room in the museum or the pan statue in Oakland to the point, to the point. And then that triangle kind of pointed at the Chartiers Valley, which was a little bit southeast of the McKees Rocks Burial Mount. And that's kind of where Ross Ben wanted us to research is like that south part of Pittsburgh where some of the uh, different things could connect to. And that was, yeah, very, very. And then Riley was also on the... um, Cathedral of Learning in Oakland, the Cathedral of Learning, the uh, one room where Ross, Ben, and Koof uh, just felt some really different energy in, inside the museum, that one room, and then a building at Carnegie Mellon, all align up with the pyramids at the same distance that the pyramids in Egypt line up. Whoa. All right, Mike, you are very familiar with Brother John and Brother Khufu. We are just meeting. Nice to meet you both, guys. It's It's been Can a pleasure. Can jump into a conversation <laughs> and not, like, I just got all, all, all spun up in the well, spot and today. That's, and the, that's the beauty of this show, man. And, and for, for Brother John and Khufu's knowledge, you know, Mike and I do this show over the phone, right? Because he is a freewheeling guy. He's out there moving and grooving and Zoom meetings tie him down. So we do this over the phone so he could be on the move while we record um, but me, I'm sitting right here. We don't record the video, so don't worry. If, if you're having trouble hearing Mike, you know, feel free to put the phone on the table and, you know, relax okay. a little bit. We're not going to record the video. But, uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you both here. I am a little familiar. I listened to the, the episode with you guys and Ross Ben. And, uh, yeah, I mean, for, for people who might not have tuned into that, could you let us know about spatial creativity and maybe uh, how you guys came to know Mike and, and Ross Ben's work and, and what brought you all together in Pittsburgh? 
Well, Khufu and I have known each other for going on probably five, ten years now, and um, he had turned me on to Ross Ben's uh, works and different videos and just really aligned with him. And then we got hooked up with the 40th Parallel and Michael's work. And, you know, we had been wanting to do something, and we're like, let's bring Ross Ben here to Pittsburgh. So we kind of just, it all manifested. Khufu was aligned with the numbers and of throwing the event and just making it happen. And it turned into a beautiful event that we uh, made happen called Pittsburgh Decoded. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and I did something similar in my own area. Uh, definitely inspired by all the work that Mike and Ross have done and, uh, on March 22nd, I did a sort of skull and bones tour up here near New Haven, Connecticut. Uh, I live nearby, but we did a, a tour of, of the buildings. So when I heard your guys' story and, and that you guys were given a tour of Pittsburgh, I was immediately fascinated. I think there's a movement right now of like-minded individuals who are raising the awareness of our space and, and showing how these different really occult and esoteric thoughts have been, you know, imbued within the, the fabric of our, our cities, you know, not just Pittsburgh, but all of these places along the East coast and across the United States. So yeah, I'm excited to, to see what we get into here. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just learning that you guys haven't spoke since. So yeah, Mike, I mean, if you want to jump in, I know. Uh, so, so I want to point, I, let me point something out. You just brought up such an interesting uh, connection or there is an interesting connection. I don't, and I just want to, I want to clarify or bring attention to that. So Mark, as he was saying, like, you know, there, there's a movement which is going on and the movement is people bringing a new level of awareness into their own backyard and seeing things like you look maybe a little bit more uh, with, with, with more clarity. So, so Mark is in Connecticut, so he's right by, and he lives, and he used to work and go uh, through the Yale campus, and he was very familiar with, with Skull and Bones, and that was the impetus for, for like getting deeper into the research and all of this sort of stuff, and then Mark doing tours and pointing out all of these different uh, esoteric sort of uh, facilities, if you will, on the, on the Yale campus, and I'm, I'm making an assumption that there is a knowledge of what Skull and Bones is. Skull and Bones, you know, is the, the, the Yale Secret Society where, um, I think I figured it out, like at any given point, there's no more than probably like any, like 70 or 80 living members because there are only like 12 per year and there's only like two classes. Um, but the point I'm trying to make is it's a very, very small group of very, very influential men. Pittsburgh has such a strong um, uh, skull and bones connection through the Heinz family. Yes. And also now through John Kerry as well. So when you guys are like taught, when we're talking about your respective research, which may have come from like very different motivations and maybe like some different um, perspectives, but I think as Mark will talk about maybe his, what, what, what really drew him into to getting into the New Haven skull and bones tomb, uh, there may be more correlations than what we imagine, but, but there's this, this, this like kind of this, this skull and bones mystery, which is underlying both of these stories. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, 
it's more it's more to be decoded. I don't know. Uh... Well, and let me just tell you a little bit more because Mike kind of alluded to this. Uh, my foray into Scotland Bones wasn't through any initiation. Uh, I met a guy at a, a park, the New Haven Green. Uh, he introduced himself to me because I had a, a T-shirt that says, sure, you can trust the government, just ask an Indian. And it had a picture of Sitting Bull on it. And he's a, a native from uh, Arizona, so he appreciated the shirt. And we started talking and, and hanging out. And he filled me in that <coughs> Geronimo had been, you know, his grave had been desecrated out in Oklahoma and the skull and the crossbones were brought to New Haven. And part of why he came out to New Haven was to pay homage and, and pray for Geronimo's spirit. So, you know, all the things I learned from my mentors, what I call them now, Amos, I've sort of carried with me over the past 10 years. And uh, now that I'm doing this podcasting thing, there's really an avenue to share everything that I've researched. And yeah, I'm wondering, you know, if there is a, a presence uh, in history with Geronimo in Pittsburgh, I'm not really sure myself, but you know, he, he got around, he had a, a very, you know, deep impression that he left on America. People still to this day, when they jump in a body of water, yell Geronimo, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So it's, it's definitely made its way into the, the consciousness. But yeah, that's what really inspired me. And I found out that, you know, much to correlate with, with Ross Ben's work, that there is a sort of esoteric uh, approach to how they took the land from the natives and, and sort of took their spiritual inheritance, you know, not just gritting the mounds, but Yale University has, you know, thousands of native artifacts in their museum, which just happens to be deeply uh, connected to skull and bones as well. So yeah, there's a lot of interesting things that, that we can get into, but I know you mentioned Carnegie Mellon already. Uh, Carnegie Mellon for sure is, is related to skull and bones. And Mike mentioned uh, the Heinz family, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of different avenues there. What's the Carnegie Mellon connection? Well, Carnegie uh, Mellon was founded. I'm, in part by Daniel Gilman, I believe, or Andrew White, which were you know th two of the most influential members of Skull and Bones in the nineteen uh, in the nineteenth century. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's this creepy statue. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead, John. I don't know if we mentioned on our tour, but the RAND Corporation, R-A-N-D, they're like a uh, Department of Defense, military contracts, and they work with Carnegie Mellon and maybe Pitt. They're right there on Fifth Avenue in Oakland where the universities are. Yep. Right. right. I'm pretty certain RAND Corporation does not have offices in so many cities. Uh, outside of, I, I think they're Santa Monica headquartered and, and maybe, uh, you know, obviously they're going to have one in DC, but, but that's a, a testament. I think when you, you talk about Rand having its, its location in, in Pittsburgh, and we talked about this in the show is like the role which Pittsburgh plays in terms of, 
both on a on a, a mystical, esoteric level, but in also on a very literal level of how it is used to shape um, culture in primarily, I would say, the United States, but then you could even say the entire world through the blending of um, art and science. And that being a, a reflection of the two different rivers that meet at the center point of, of Pittsburgh. And so that's, that's, it, 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 it kind of ties in particularly that the, the Pittsburgh research, everything that you're saying, Mark, is this, um, uh, for lack of a, you know, there's this, 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 this use of a natural, energy and knowledge of landscape energies and applying that into a, the, um, the industrializing of, of North America at that time. Like, I mean, that's, that's very much, that's what all the research pointed to and the, the geomancy, the alignment, all of these buildings, which, which John, uh, John was just making reference to, and then, uh, linking that all the way back to Egypt, I find fascinating, but, but, um, yes, I want to add that. Well, and as going with our tour and everything, you know, there was that was set here in Pittsburgh and they knew what they were doing with the arts and science. And as they go, like some of their headquarters from long lasting being here in America from the founding fathers, you know, Connecticut, Yale, Philadelphia, D.C., and then they just came east and realized what they could do or even off of when the French sent Duquesne here, they're like, they're knowing what's a little bit more East and working off of the whole country to work off the whole globe. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, now that we're all kind of acquainted, I want to go back to, uh, you know, something I mentioned earlier, which is the raising of the awareness, you know, what, what's your goal gentlemen with this tour? I mean, you know, do people respond well when they're out there learning about this stuff? And, and you know, what's next? I think um, this is kind of like freeing the land, these type of movements we're making, you know, mm. uh, to re-examine. And also for me, the biggest thing I'm getting is uh, understanding the language of synchronicity and how this shit goes on every day, every moment uh, uh, that we live, you know? Um, and that's the world I've been engaged in since the, uh, since the, uh, since the lecture. Mm. So yeah, that part for me is the most, I think the strongest thing that's going on right now in my life from that is, uh, all the synchronicities. And I realize that they happen every day, all the time. Mm. Now, and we have to be aware of just anything just don't happen. You know, because everything's connected. Do you and think from that perspective, uh, you can kind of get the gist of what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And was there like a uh, a moment? Because you mentioned the election. Was there a moment when you started to notice these synchronicities happening more, or or when you became aware of them? Was it like a shift in? It's it's been going on for a long time, but just really get a getting an understanding of it mm. especially putting together this event right using you know uh numbers and uh timing even from making phone calls you know what i mean 
Right. Like all the way through the flick was intent and just purpose behind it. Right. Right. When so, you when you call someone and they're like, wow, I was just thinking about you. I was about to call you, that kind of thing. <laughs> my, my mother just did it, didn't she? My mother did it. <laughs> and she was like, and, and at the same time, we got hit with some news. And then my mother hit me and John could bear witness. And she was like, something just tried to happen. And she, she explained what went on because my mother's like me, you know, you know, so it's like, well, I'm like my mother. <laughs> so uh, I was so I was like, John, see, it was some synced up, tied up stuff that we peeped out. And she peeped out and decided to call me and, and seen if I saw it. And I, I bore witness. Right. But, uh, yeah. For the, the most part, the synchronicities, bro, is real heavy right now. Mm. Things, things just I don't it's not a random thing to me right now. Right. So let me ask you. Let me ask you this question. This is this is this is kind of plays along that. But but how's our friend Wise doing? How's Wise doing? Wise is good. I just got man. Wise is even better, man. We just started working on a new album as of uh, last week, so he's excited about that. I got new music to send you to. Can, can, can we tell? Can, can I tell the Wise story about like you know you were just talking about synchronicities and stuff? Can I tell that? Can I tell that story? Yes, please, please do. All right. Well, I'm going to set the stage. I'm going to let you, like, uh, I'll let you uh, hit it out of the park, if you will. So, 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 John Akufu set up the uh, this event in Pittsburgh, and they invited Ross out, and then uh, I got an invitation to come out, and I was just, I was very excited, and uh, for the opportunity, the opportunity to just be like out and about, and like meet people, and just see what is what has unfolded uh, in the most literal sense of just the sort of stuff which me and Ross were putting out. Um, and so before I get down the wise story, I just want to answer your question, Mark, from what I'm seeing from my perspective is, is, and I know th- I would say that, that this event in Pittsburgh was probably the most extreme example, but I, I get emails from people all over about all over earth about how they are looking at things differently. And it's not so much to me, it's not so much about like, Oh, now I'm going to go and necessarily unravel some great mystery about my, my backyard. I mean, that's interesting, but what it does is like consciousness is changing. Like literally the way people observe their, their surroundings has increased has increased and that affects every aspect of experience. And so that I find, and then it's just, it's just fun. Like outside of that, it's like, Holy shit, look at my backyard. And like, like humans love to be, love hospitality. We want to show people like the tour was great. We had so much freaking fun. So anyway, John's there. We're staying at one of the, uh, or, 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 John put this together and they've got this, this Brownstone Airbnb. Is it, is it, is it Dutch town? Is that the part in, in Pittsburgh where it is? Yeah, Deutschtown, yes. Deutschtown, Deutschtown, Deutschtown. So it's this historical place. The the play, uh, the, the, the the building has been renovated, and we're all staying there, and um, everyone is kind of hanging out and getting to meet each other. And everyone's kind of like like-minded, and we all know each other. We've been working together, so there's this, this, this like, uh, there was already a camaraderie, and there was, a, 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 you know, a lot of common ground and a lot of excitement. And there were some other people and everyone seemed to just like connect. And it was just like this really, really, uh, 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 strong, strong, um, 
weekend where everyone felt like they knew everyone for a long time. So that being said, Wise was there. And Khufu and Wise, I'll let, that, I'll let him explain, but they go way back. So they go way back and Wise comes out from, I want to say Indianapolis. We're in Pittsburgh. So like, I don't know how far that is. It's got to be at least four or five hours by car. And me and Wise just kind of hit it off. Like when I saw him, I was like, I felt like I, I felt, I felt like I knew him and it was a, it was a universe. It was a, a it was reciprocated. There was a, there was something which we shared. Like, I mean, everyone's felt that when they meet someone, they're like, wow, I I feel like I know you more than I should. So that happens. So that happens. And then like, you know, life goes on. As I said before, it's like so much has happened so fast. And like, I've kind of forgotten about like, you know, you get away from everything that happened that weekend. So this was like about, uh, um, maybe two weeks ago, maybe a month ago. I, I'm having trouble with the timeline and I wake up, I wake up and there's like this group text, which is still kind of live between me, John Khufu and, uh, and Ross and, and Ross Ben, which we were, which we were talking using when we were like planning everything for the, for the show, um, or for the, for the weekend event. And I'm like, what is that guy's name? Uh, who was saying like, what, what, how is he doing? He was in my dreams last night. I couldn't remember why is his name. And then Kufu is like, well, let me go check up. I haven't heard from him for a while. Yeah. And so I'm going to pass, I'm going to pass it on to you. Well, yeah, he was like, uh, he was like, yeah, what's why? Why? Like, yeah, why is he was like, does he do music? The MC like, yeah, that's him. So when you said that, you know, we kept t- chatting, but I was like, you know what? Let me check. Let me check in on him. And I go to check in on him, and man, he's sick as a dog. To where I gotta get, I gotta call somebody from Pittsburgh in Indianapolis to go pick him up and take him to the hospital, cause he's on the verge of dying, you know, like bad. But uh, we got him in time, and. Uh, yeah, just that. That's just my. You reaching. brought him into the hospital because of that. Like there was some sort of connection. Yeah. I'm. T- I'm. We're sharing this story, Mark, because there was like. I mean, that was like kind of like some of the, an example of like the levels of like connections that were made. That it's like um, six weeks later shows up in my dream world. I bring that up. Uh, Kufu goes, finds out he needs some help, gets him to the hospital, like, uh, because of that, like that level yeah. of, of, of interconnection and synchronicity. Yeah, man. Wow. wow. And he's all right. Yeah. Right. That was, that was pretty powerful right there, man. And had I, and I, I we could have kept it regular. Like I could have went on with the day and just caught wise whenever, you know what I'm saying? But not, not this time. And, uh, I give thanks, bro. You know? <laughs> wow. Definitely so. So, did you say you and Wise are now uh, you're going to record again? Yeah, we're recording. Yeah, we're getting ready to. We're putting stuff together now, man. So, we're trying to just get into that whole album mode. You know. <laughs> you guys are good. I can't wait. I got some stuff I'll send you. Uh, he's got a. You know, his cousin uh, did Aaliyah's album. He the one did Rock the Boat, and uh, just that her whole album. Eric Seats. And this uh-huh. is uh this is doing a lot of the production for us too. Yep, so got some good stuff, man. I got a couple of solo pieces I'm gonna send you in here too. Definitely. Definitely. And Mark, can you share that? Right on, yeah, of course. We'll put the links in the description and I'll be happy to share it around in all the places that well, I well, can. Not so much not right. This is like under this is like 
This is strictly for just few people right now. Oh, this is oh. stuff. So this stuff we can't even let people. So we just we just tease them. Now they're not even going to be able to hear it. That's even better. Yeah. You can check us out on uh, YouTube at uh, uh, Black Gnostics with a joint called The Hustle. Okay. And another joint called Sexy. Okay. So, you know, we got a few joints out there, but it's not like we rampaging the whole internet right now. You know what I'm saying? I think we're going to go full fledged on this one, though. Right on. Well, that's that's kind of full circle for me. I mean, this is a, a big reason why I was even interested in any of these subjects in the first place. Underground rap music, you know, Immortal Technique and, and Army of the yeah, Pharaohs yeah. and, you know. Yeah. I mean, I can keep going. Uh, Illogic was another big one for me. So, uh huh. So I I got into all that at a really young age and just started to question everything. And and eventually I found podcasting and realized like, oh wow, I don't have to pay to go to school. I could get paid and learn all this stuff and listen to podcasts. And here we are raising the awareness. I mean. I do want to see, you know, this sort of thing become more mainstream. And I think podcasts can help with that. But one thing I always envisioned about, you know, these tours is like you could maybe record an audio tour and then share that with people. So, you know, when they come to Pittsburgh, even if you weren't there, you know, they can go and take the tour themselves and, you know, pay you for, for the value that you're putting out uh, by offering something like that. Yeah, that's dope. That's a dope concept. Have you done something like that? Not yet. I just gave you guys, you know, one of my ideas for free. I'm happy to share. But, yeah, no, it's something I thought of with New Haven because one man can only do so much, you know. I hear you. Cheers, brother. Right, man. Take teamwork to make the dream work, so I'm with you when you're right. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, one thing that, that really stood out for me when looking into New Haven was the nine square grid that the whole city was sort of developed around. And uh, I'm wondering if there was any interesting numerology or anything like that when you guys looked into Pittsburgh. You know, did you did you happen to look into the, the grid itself and, and how they designed the plan of the city? Well, that's the complicated thing about Pittsburgh because of the terrain here. Mm. I'm sure Mike can attest to that. You know, what I'm saying, Mike, what, what would you say? Uh, it the 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 hilliness of Pittsburgh and and the separation of it from the river definitely makes yeah. it complex. Extremely, mm. yes. Yeah. When Ross bid, when Rossman was riding around with us and he was gridding it, he said it was kind of like Philly, where it was off grid a little bit and the energy could flow out and escape at certain. Yeah, yeah, points. that's just definitely what he said. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's not like an Indianapolis. You know what I'm saying? Where that that place is just gridded down to the bone. Right, right. And especially thinking maybe New Haven's a little smaller of a place and flatter. Maybe they were able to kind of really pinpoint pinpoint in on that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Possibly, yeah. And I've been to Indianapolis. I I didn't stop in Pittsburgh, unfortunately, but I've, I've uh, driven out oh. to Indianapolis, and uh, and yeah, it is gridded up for sure. I mean, I heard you guys mention the Soldiers and Sailors Monument out in Pittsburgh, and the whole city of Indianapolis sits uh, uh, around that Soldiers and Sailors Monument in the center of the the exact. Saying one that's in Pittsburgh is the replicas in Indianapolis as well. Really? And there's a six feet trench that is a probably about a block and a half long, and it's where all the performances take place at. Mm. 
Now, I've always wondered since visiting that, and you said it's an exact replica, so this is a perfect question. They have these bears. I'm, I'm wondering if the bears are there on the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Pittsburgh, but the bears no. have their hands above their head, almost behind their back, like holding up this light fixture. This is maybe unique to Indianapolis, but yeah, it just seemed like a, a symbol to me of like the native consciousness being held up and, you know, used to prop up this new civilization. I know the one in Indianapolis is dedicated to Ishtar. Mm, wow. We, we saw some stuff on top of the one on Pittsburgh, but I don't know what, but they look to stay exactly. They both the same. Like, I mean, you, I mean, like you take a picture of it, you'd be like, wow. Yeah, no. And I'm sure. And there's even a soldiers and sailors monument on one of the, uh, hills, on the west or east side of uh, New Haven. So, yeah, they, they seem to, you know, put these in significant locations across the United States. Have you looked into what the Pittsburgh Soldiers and Sailors Monument represents? Well, so I just talked to somebody on the phone over the weekend, and he was telling me a bunch of stuff. Right next to there, Michael, if you remember, when we were on Fifth Avenue... The building right next to there, I think we were questioning and wondering what that was. I think it's the athletic club and then it's the um, then it's a Masonic building right right next to the athletic club. And both of those were connected and very elite people were only connected with those buildings. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. And there was a plan like the early like 1914s that um, was projected for the whole university to own all of Oakland. Hmm. And that's basically what's come with UPMC and all the other buildings. Right. University of Pittsburgh owns everything around it. Right. Holy crackers. I forgot about UPMC is huge. Um, Like outside of, of, Pennsylvania, like, like, like they've got international visions Yeah, for what they want to, I think, I think I've read them say that they want to be the Amazon of, of healthcare. And I'm not really certain how that translates, but, um, there's certainly, uh, those aren't empty words. They're, 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 they're stretching their, um, their tentacles rather far. Yes, they are. I, I, I can attest to that shit. Yeah, that, that leads me into what I was going to ask you next about, you know, you just mentioned uh, how the, the grid has these areas where energy is leaking out. And I've heard you mention on uh, your previous conversation with Ross and Mike about how people seem to leave Pittsburgh, right? It's not a place where people, you know, stick around very long. It seems like a lot of notable people are from Pittsburgh, but they don't stick around that often. Do you think there's something go on, going on there where that energy is being uh, utilized to sort of uh, have an effect on the greater region, you know? You look at how it's connected through the waterways to the Mississippi and, you know, how influential America is across the globe. Yeah, like like Mike say, um, you know, this place is the, the microcosm to the macro. Like, it's when, for whatever reason, things are able to happen here on, on this small scale that blows up on the planet. You know what I'm saying? 
like, and, and you know, somebody figured something out in this month. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, man, yeah, it's uh, something definitely powerful about Pittsburgh. And that's one of my theories is like the powers that be in the elite that helped understand the gridding of how to operate here. Yes. They tell their next generations and they know how to maneuver while the rest of the city, whether you're middle class or what have you, you're kind of stuck. Like, do I catch this bus? How do I maneuver? And you're just stuck in this mind state that can't get you out. And, and uh, another thing about this place, it's constantly unfolding. Like, you know, uh, you know, I'm not from here, so I don't know every aspect of it, but I'm just telling you, it's just, it's, it's amazing, man. It's just, uh, it looks like everywhere. <laughs> Different parts of it. Yeah. Different parts of it look like all different parts of the world. Yeah. Mm. Mm. It looks like everywhere. Like a almost like a fractalization, right? It has that microcosm, macrocosm yeah. effect going on. Yeah. yeah. And they know what they're doing. I've seen Chicago here, Detroit. Like I've seen a lot of places in this one. Jamaica's here, uh, the islands. I mean, just so many looks. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they are undoubtedly connected. Yeah. All these groups that founded all these, you know, cities were following similar playbooks. If they weren't, you know, following the exact same playbook, it seems. So Pittsburgh is, um, you know, I mean, we, we talked about this before, but it, it is, has the, um, the, 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 the title from like the, the, it was known as the umbil- the area was known as the umbilical cord to the world um, before you know it was named Pittsburgh and that was uh, seemingly has a lot to do with um, you know the the confluence of the rivers that happen right there and it's the beginning of the Ohio River correct is that what is that what happens or what's formed mm-hmm. and so. The Allegheny is like on the triple divide and it starts all the way up in like New York. But, but then what, but, but what do they become? What do they go into the Mississippi? Like I want to go downstream now. Ohio to the Mississippi. So, so the Ohio is said to have start right there, but obviously, you know, that's just a name because like, you know, it's, it's the confluence of two other rivers. And so um, I forgot who was who it was who pointed out, but uh, they brought to my attention that normally when you think of the Mississippi, you think of the the Missouri as its um, like its primary feeder of of the two major rivers that make up the the the, the Mississippi. But if you look at it from a mound perspective, and there's a much larger group of mound. Um, uh, technology and architecture that goes up the Ohio and goes up through Pittsburgh and so forth than what you see or, um, going going west on on the Missouri and so um, there's a, there's an implication there's a, there's an implied uh, there there's an implied understanding of that water which really gathers at, at what we now think of as Pittsburgh at that point, that place which has always been um, highly desirable for commerce and for so many things. Like, you know, that's where 
the largest, you know, river in, in North America, like that, that we can think of that as its birthplace as well. And we talk about this a lot, Mark, about the understanding of, of, of river magic or of utilizing flowing water and particularly a significant um, water system as means to propagate um, certain, certain outcomes or certain, you know, uh, uh, goals or desires. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a pronounced influence. You know, I heard you guys mention that a lot of the Hollywood figures come out of Pittsburgh and maybe some other entertainment influencers and whatnot. I think there's a certain uh, geomancy at play there, right? Where the, the architecture is sort of affecting, you know, people's lives in a subtle way and, and maybe creating, you know, uh, inspiration like the muse effect, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of art and theater drama, you know, it's all projected here in Pittsburgh in so many different forms. Yeah. Well, and, and that leads me to another question I was wondering about is like, when we look at cities, there's obviously, you know, the glitz and the glamour, but then there's poverty and, and, you know, the less fortunate. And I think there's a magic there, a sort of dark magic at play where certain cities are arranged. So the energy is flowing towards the, you know, wealthy side of town and, and maybe, you know, it gets sort of downstream, the people who are or downstream of the energy sort of get what's left over, you know? Oh yeah, you can. Uh, it's, it's blatant here. I'll tell you that. Well, and it's like coming on the Allegheny. You know, there's a lot of nicer neighborhoods, almost close to Pittsburgh, where it's like the city limits in those areas. But then when you're like the Monongahela flows upriver, but that Monongahela River is a lot where the steel mills were coming from, like south side of Pittsburgh, Homestead, Braddock, McKeesport. So that whole river. I mean, I don't know how cleaned out it gets when it gets to West Virginia, but it's got all that waste coming off of that river. So right. they're, they're, they're using those rivers and that energy to definitely affect the people in those ways. Yeah. And well, and I've seen uh, Peter Shampoo kind of lay it out almost like a yin yang. Uh, Peter Shampoo is the author of Gaia Matrix, and he's put a lot of work together with ley lines and, and different, um, you know, interpretations of ley lines not just linear ones but arcs and whatnot and uh yeah definitely someone to look into mike introduced me to his work and he's been on the show that i do uh, my family thinks i'm crazy but yeah it seems like there's a certain uh not just with rivers but also earth energy itself like the um you know where two plates meet you know and where mountain chains are there's also some energy that's utilized there as well are there any fault lines or any geo uh energy going on with pittsburgh oh no is it like fault lines in pittsburgh John? that's a good question and hold on before you ask you say his name is peter who again peter shampoo it's spelled c-h-a-m-p-o-u-x Right, go ahead, Briggs. Uh... Yeah, fault lines. I'm wondering, you know, maybe Mike knows because I know you've been out there, Mike. But uh, 
Yeah, that's that's one thing that Peter mentions is that they use these these energies that are sort of leaked out of the fault lines. Well, just a little bit south, um, almost on the Ohio border, maybe 40 miles south and going up into New York is the whole Allegheny Glacier Plateau. And so not necessarily a fault line, but a lot of different. Yeah, but yeah, it is because a couple of years ago when I moved here, like in 2011 or 12, the same earthquake that cracked the Washington Monument hit here in Pittsburgh at like a 2.1 or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Had you heard about that, Mike? I remember that. I felt it in Lancaster. Huh. Yeah. yeah, that happened. We felt it here. I was at uh, CCAC College when, when I was up there. Uh, just I remember the day. Wow. Yeah. But I don't know. It's like some type of huge fault. Like, you know, I, I could not tell you. That's something to be looked up. You're right. Find that out ASAP. Mm. And as far like there, Go ahead. I feel like there was something connecting the plates shifting. And they're like, because there was something in Alabama, but I feel like there was an article coming out of somewhere where there was some kind of similar plates connected from Pennsylvania to Africa also. Right. Well, and we know about uh, other geological features like pipestone and, oh, shit, (laughs) keep that door closed. The wind just slammed my door in here. Sorry about that. Um, Alabaster, pipestone, serpentine, these are all, you know, very special stones that have had a variety of uses. You mentioned the the coal mines before, but are there any minerals that are pronounced there in Pittsburgh that people know about or or, are remembered for for being important? Oh, man, they got a huge, uh, like, gems, minerals that Pittsburgh, PA, uh, What's the name of that museum? The Carnegie uh, Carnegie Museum. But I don't know any specific stones stones coming out of here. Mm. We had all looked at in terms of the Ohio region. Mm. Yeah, they they tend to collect really uh, high vibrational stuff in those museums. I don't. I think there's a whole you know code to be cracked with uh, with museums and and what they're really up to with that. But as far as code cracking, are there any mysteries that are yet to be solved with Pittsburgh? Things that you're still wondering about? We have a lot of listeners that tune in to to try to help out and and sleuth these things out alongside uh are there any you know things that are still left to be unsolved or, or solved yeah i think we're still at it you know what i'm saying um this is an ongoing process so uh until until uh the grand shift take place or the quickening arises i think we're gonna you know kind of uh piece by piece unfold different things as as we go about this you know what i mean um absolutely yeah eyes are definitely open and i think uh we're waiting on this family to make a statement as well in terms of... Just, uh, I was just going to say something. You know, um, what they had to do and what they did the, the day we met up with the lady that informed us about what happened the day prior, I believe, was that the night prior before we came or something like that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a lot still unfolding, man, and, and, and creeping out. So um, we waiting on information, and uh, we're looking for information as well. So... And what what exactly is that that you're referring to with the family that? Oh, we can't speak too much. Okay. Uh, we just 
wait for uh tell them about it mike you broke it down last session so we are we were at a sacred site a lesser known sacred oh, site yeah lesser yeah, yeah. mike the, we we to, did talk about this a little bit i think you filled me it. in as much as you could and the the, the weird woman that or the curious yeah. woman that came over <laughs> She told us something. There was a confirmation that we were, the the timing and the location of where we were lined up with something else, which was like a confirmation that obviously we're tapped into something at Mm. the right time. And the woman who we saw asked us not to reveal any of it. But this has been like months now. I think there's got to be a statute of limitations. We should yeah, be able to- uh, missing something. We just got to do some research. But uh, as it stands, I haven't heard no international like, oh, we, we did this in Pittsburgh. Uh, none of that. So we probably that's probably going to be the next move. I think we, me and John going to investigate what's really going on now. I, I think that's a really, I think that's a perfect next move. I think so to get too. to the bottom of that. Yes, because uh, you know it's it's kind of you know like come on like you know. And granted, I'm patient, but uh, I think we can kind of move a little. We can kind of move. We can kind of move on I this now. The, I I think it's exactly they had their opportunity. They asked us not to say anything, and now we should go and find out. Well, what's going on? And if there's nothing, well, why can't we talk about it? Right, right. So, so to answer that question, like yeah. Um, Things are still chipping away, bro. You hear me? Like, uh, I don't know how big the next right. chip away will be, you know? Yeah. Right on. Oh, well, I'm curious to know, uh, you know, when you guys can reveal more. Uh, keep me in touch. I'm sure Mike will fill me in. But, yeah, that's really cool. I, uh, yeah. I'm. It's all coming back to me. Mike did tell me a little bit about that uh, the week after he came back from Pittsburgh and yeah, there's something to it, man. This 40th parallel energy yeah. is awakening. Yeah, it's not stopping. I think it's just going to be another key that's going to open up a whole another bigger wormhole for uh, ones to be able to uh, kind of gladiate stump through, you know? So mm. I'm excited, man. And as Michael's saying, you know, coming out of the Ohio River, going to the Mississippi, and there's a lot more mounds. You know, you, you were there to Indiana before, but before you get there, coming out of like... Marietta, um, oh, Ma- Moundsville, Ohio. Oh, God, yeah, we, Wheeling, we West there, Virginia. Man. There's Mound, Moundsville, West Virginia, and Ohio. They're like leading up into Indiana. So we would like to like possibly plan a trip or just do something on our on our own where we hit a lot of these stops, maybe possibly over a week, and you know keep the code and the connections as they work their way east or west or wherever they came from. Mm. in the connection of all this because as the necrogeomancy advanced and they learned about it and how to tap into the ley lines you know what it what is this deeper connection and how does that relate to us today yeah how does how, how does that work in a spiral like what will is that on and how long does that will last right. you know like i'm i'm on these mounds now i'm chanting the lotus sutra like you know going like pulling up like these wormholes and whatnot, you know what I'm saying? Like we walked up on Moundville. Mar- Marietta. Marietta Mound, man. It was it Mount was like Cemetery. some out of some out of a Netflix movie. You know what I'm saying? Like here this like this small little town and everybody around this mound 
is somebody. They got a plaque up on them about them in the 1700s. They had something to do with something. And here's just huge. It was, it was the first settlement founded in the northeast, northeast in Marietta, Ohio. And uh, walking mm. on top of that thing was just incredible, man. Wow. Wow. And then the chant the Lotus Sutra, that was a whole nother phase. So John, he'd just sit there doing his little exercise and not just going to mansions. Yeah, and it's just so it's 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 sad, but it's also amazing how all these places are so underlooked. You know, people drive right past them, and I'm sure they don't see the value there. I mean, up here in New England, the terrain is very rocky. We don't have as many mounds. We're told we don't have as many mounds. I think maybe they probably uh, were destroyed in most part, but there are a lot of stone structures remaining. Things like cairns and uh, stone walls that stretch for miles. Yeah, and I'm wondering if you guys have any, you know, stone features like that down there that you've noticed. Well, we figured out that one stone feature. But uh, I know uh, there's a golf course that I uh, recently ran across, like, in this area called, like, uh, Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And there's this huge, huge hill quote-unquote, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I want to do some more investigating because that's the area that Ross Ben was talking about checking into. But I know it's a golf course right now. So, it's just, again, man, it's just, it's just, this thing is a piece-by-piece piece thing. Mm. Yeah, I think I that's, think that's another... We, any, we, we can't conclude anything because there are bigger and smaller pieces that's going to be chipped off, you know. We just got to continue the mission. Right. And this type of mission, if you magnetize to it, so this is I think this is an ongoing thing for the rest until we do figure it all out. <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And we're, we're hoping more people participate, you know, and, and expand upon this research. I think that's a pattern with golf courses. You find that golf courses happen to be built in uh places that used to be uh significant and, and yeah, they just sort of tear it all up and, and yeah golf on it which has its own story i'm sure but yeah mike what <laughs> that's a whole nother ball yeah oh yeah exactly mike what are your thoughts so far yeah you're uh, a little quiet over there we're getting a lot of reception from your your phone but we could hear you uh the well the golf course thing i mean you're you're, you're absolutely right about that um particularly the 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 old the old, really um, storied golf courses, um, they tend to be very much linked to sacred sites. Um, but no, I'm, I'm in, what I'm enjoying actually is listening to you talk to, to John Akufu and, so, and listening to your questions. It's been rather fun for me to, to, to hear the conversation from, from, from that perspective. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as far as what's next, where can people go and, and tap into the next tour? Do you have anything coming up soon? Anything in the works? I know you mentioned yeah, the music that's coming out soon, but. We got a few events planned. Um, we just got to make sure they don't clash with uh, some some bigger events. But in any case, uh uh, yeah, the small things within the city, like we got a, uh, we got a, like a small barber, like comes learn how to get your hair cut, cut hair. 
some guys from prison um, kind of getting together. I'm trying to help create a space for them to be able to show the youth how to, you know, cut hair and kind of grab some of these kids off the streets, you know? So it's like inner city work we're doing, as well as putting together some music. We got uh, a reggae festival coming up here in September. Yeah, over Labor Day weekend, uh, the Saturday of Labor Day weekend, there's going to be a Pittsburgh reggae fest with a bunch of different local artists. It's going to be a real good time. Ross Maisha is a part of it. He was a part of our tour. Right. And that's just, Mm. you know, some of the ethnicities with him, him being a part of our event. He was doing a lot of the research before we even, he knew that we were throwing the event. Right. And he's in all of these scenes, just helping us grow and like build. He's got his uh, visual art going, his painting art and um, musical and so he's just a good brother here that we're just building with and feeling connected and being appreciative of the synchronicities. Yeah, and, and creating realities, you know what I'm saying? Really uh, not, falling for the, not falling for them bullshit realities that they put out here and want you to add on to so they can manifest. So we propagate a whole nother thing. We can, we can go against that just off the thought. So. Right on. Yeah, it's funny talking about synchronicities. Over the past two months, I've been in touch with a rapper out of Pittsburgh. He made uh, two songs that I've used on my podcast, sort of like custom songs. And uh, he puts all his music out on the Free Music Archive. He's a really interesting dude. Maybe I ought to put you guys in touch. His name is Luke Halizna. Uh, but yeah, as far as I know, he just puts his music. Yeah, Luke Halizna. Yeah. Okay. We know we know a Saint Luke. Hmm. No, that might be a different person. But yeah, he he does uh he does music uh mostly online. I don't know if he has any shows or anything like that. We probably plug him in on some of the stuff we're doing. That'd be dope. Right on. Yeah, definitely would love to make the connection. And thank you both for for joining us here and connecting the dots. I know there's a lot of listeners out there. Uh, in Pennsylvania, you know, we get a lot of feedback given that Mike and I talk about Pennsylvania so often. So please tell us, you know, where people can go and, and tune in, you know, website, what, where can people follow up Is social media, you know, if they want to follow up and, and go on a tour or, or get in touch with you guys. Yeah, over at Instagram, Spatial Creativity. And then if you want to email us at spatialcreativity at gmail.com. And, um, you know, any info, any decoding that you might have, you may have been here, different stuff, music, uh, different, di- different kind of music you want to present with us. Uh, if you're an artist, any kind of form that you want to reach out and just be a part of in one way or another, like, don't be afraid. Uh, we're willing to do it all. So let us know what your, pa- what your passion is and reach out. Spatialcreativity at gmail.com. And on Instagram, it's Spatial Creativity. Right on. Cool. Mike, your final thoughts? Uh, it was great to catch up, and uh, I'm looking forward to going back to Pittsburgh. Yes, sir. Whenever you're ready, let us know, man. Yeah, love to have right, you again. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, it's been a pleasure meeting you both, and I definitely want to uh, put you guys in touch with Luke and, and any other way I could help, you know, podcasts, if there's anyone that... Uh, we could get you an interview with. I know a lot of different podcasters if you're looking to, to spread the message far and wide. But it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, Mike, thanks again. Till next time, folks. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now.
Mark, is that you? Hey, Uncle Mike, what's going on? Uh, just driving back. Driving back to Gnome Countryside? That is correct. Right on. Driving back to Gnome Countryside after a nice afternoon with my boys. Very cool, very cool. Yeah, you, you said you got... Uh, not a lot of battery, not a lot of uh, uh, time. So we're gonna be doing what the outro here, folks. Let, 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 let's do let's do the outro. Let's do the outro. So people listening, you know, we do this show a little unconventionally, and this is sort of the first time we're using or we're, we're trying out this new format uh, outside of having uh, the pro Greg Carlwood, which was a little different this uh episode had a, a whole nother uh energy to it and i thought it was really awesome getting to so, check out so, so, go ahead well, well definitely definitely and and i think what is what's going to be interesting what i'm about to share is um is going to be uh insightful to the listening audience in terms of like how the sausage is made is, you know, the saying goes, like, this is what goes on behind the scenes, because we are recording this outro, I think, uh, 24, 48 hours after we recorded the conversation with uh, John and Cooper, correct? Mm-hmm. We're recording this 24 or 48 hours. I'm not, I don't even remember that time. Anymore. Oh, no, no, no. Like, it was Monday, so 48 hours. So 48 hours. So, okay. So um, I want to... You know this, but I'm sharing this with the audience right now. I'm going to kind of put a little bit of context as to what they just listened to. Um, so 15 minutes prior to the recording, the recording which was just listened to, um, myself, John, and Kufu, and you know, literally we had not spoken to each other since being in Pittsburgh. We just received uh, simultaneously on a, uh, um, on a group telegram chat, which we are on with Ross Ben. Uh, Ross just shared with us, um, you know, some pretty tragic news in his personal life. And then literally 15 minutes later, the three of us, me, John and Kufu, uh, or maybe it was a half an hour because you and I did a little bit of recording before that. It was 15 minutes before you and I started uh, out the recording, and I think they came in maybe 30 minutes later. Then, uh, then we had to go through that recording, and what you heard and what you listened to, and I say that to the audience, to the people who are listening, um, was was a completely authentic and genuine conversation, but there was, there was a, what do they call it? The elephant in the room. The elephant in the room was the fact that, you know, someone very close to us, or the person who was actually the nodal point between the three of us getting to know each other, had just shared with us a rather tragic event. And none of us brought it up in the call. I don't think anyone really knew how we all had on our schedule that we were going to do this conversation, which you Mark had set up for this time. Um, and we weren't certain what to do in that, that space. I mean, anytime you hear something, which is kind of like uh, surprising, jarring, tragic, like, you know, you're, 
you're in a little bit of a shock, and I would say the three of us were, and we're doing it on a recorded program. Um, I feel comfortable bringing it up now that 48 hours has passed because I have, um, I've seen on social media uh, that it has been announced and, and what has happened is one of, one of Ross's children, I believe uh, there are eight children, um, had, passed, had passed away over the weekend and he had shared with me John Akufu right before that. And so I guess particularly in light of the nature of what that Pittsburgh experience was and the nature of maybe what you and I do here, Mark, and the nature of what me and Ross do in our show, which is basically talking about the invisible, mysterious aspects of, of our reality, you know, that's trying to go, and, and in maybe a, 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 a state of, or a position of reverence that what has occurred, you know, in this synchronicity line is certainly, um, you know, at the very least par for the course or is, I don't want to say expected, but not surprising, but then also is maybe indicative of the depth in which, you know, everything which, which we are all, you know, witnessing, experiencing, and going through right now, what, what, what that is. So I guess maybe that's how I want to start this conversation, Mark. Was that clear? Yeah, that, that's clear. I mean, we are getting a little bit more interference than usual because you're driving, but uh, that's all right. We could, well, I, I could edit around I that. I meant conceptually clear, not necessarily. Yeah, that's what I meant. I said, I said, yeah, I said, yes. I just, uh, I was going to add that today is an interesting day for me, uh, because Capricorn full moon just, uh, just happened at 2 PM and, and I'm a, I'm a Capricorn moon. So yeah, I don't know what that says about what you just said, but it's definitely, the energy was felt, you know, that day. And I didn't quite understand why, obviously, because I was out of the loop, as you just described. But, yeah, it is interesting how, you know, um, how, they, like, at first I tried to ascribe it as something else, lacking the information. But, yeah, you know, it was it was felt as a, as a host of a podcast, certainly. So my condolences to Ross and his family, and I didn't realize he had that many kids, eight kids. Wow, I mean, that's that's a lot now. Unfortunately, one has passed, you know, and my heart goes what, what out to him that? and his family. Certainly so, and he was an adult child. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's not really my place to, to, to discuss. Uh, one of the things, though, uh, another mutual... Um, uh, mutually connected person in both the the in the, the Pittsburgh experience, but then I think in all of our lives, Roz Naim, uh, who I've been sharing some some exchanges with, uh, his perspective or his take was very much from um, you know synchronicity being an 
uh, one of the language, one of the, the languages spoken by the ancestors. And the crossing over of, of, of Rasben's son being in that kind of line, and then the entire nature of really what we were doing in Pittsburgh was very much in that line. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not jumping to anything specifically like, you know, this means that, or I don't want to take anything away from like the, the, the human grief, which happens when a parent loses a child. But, um, there is, this is, this is definitely, a a a thought provoking and a meaningful event, which, will, I would imagine, extend well beyond um, this immediate moment, but also serve as a point of contemplation and discussion for many of us who are aware of, you know, what's going on right now on Earth with the, you know, as all things are changing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a tough thing to comment on when uh, when people are grieving and, you know, never meeting this person. I, I just give my respect, you know, and obviously I know Ross enough to feel the the pain. But, you know, it's 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 a tough thing to talk about. I, I'm not really the most equipped. Uh, the only only two. Uh, three of my relatives have passed in my lifetime. So my grandfather, my great grandmother, who I knew up until I was a child. And then uh, well, up, <laughs> when I was a child, up until she passed. And then my great, great, or I'm sorry, my great grandfather, who I knew only when I was like three or four. So really, my grandfather was the most pronounced death I've ever experienced. You know, he had a huge impact on my life. And and I mean, to this day, I still have his, uh, one of his, um, necklaces that he used to wear on my desk. So, you know, there we go. There we go. So it feels to me like the, the, you know, if we're going to go in and wrap this back around as to what, what we, what you and I, cause I mean, I ultimately it's me and you, Mark, like we're, we're the ones who are looming this, this, this journey, this podcast journey. Like obviously there's the listener and like, we've got like the guest with, with John Akufu, but, but the, the, the consistency in every episode is you and me. And one of the, if not the underlying, um, the underlying purpose of what we do is an investigation into like, you know, what is this reality? What is happening? It certainly implies and includes the other side. And so this feels to me, albeit somber, um, also very um, appropriate as both you and I hold a position and understanding of life and reality uh, which ultimately shows that, you know, all is connected, all is one. Like, you know, there, there's, you know, energy is neither uh, created nor 
destroyed. It just changes. It just changes shapes. And if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll see the movement of life reality just before your eyes. And this does feel to be in alignment with that. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, we talked a lot about burial mounds and such. So, I mean, lacking the personal context, that's where I'm drawing a comparison, but... Certainly so. So, And maybe, like, you know, I don't really have much more to say other than that, and I don't know if you have much more to say, but but there's one last thing. I'm going to give you an opportunity if there's any more comments you want to say about the show. But uh, as I'm seeing, like, I'm down to, like, 4% right now. It's it's dropping slowly, but uh, I've got some final things after after I give you this opportunity for any final comments. Well... Please take the floor. I I just had that to say. All right. Well, so, and it's funny because you and I were, you know, I, I, um, we talked about this, I think, in the previous episode where we're raising money for you to come on down here. And you and I even talked about bringing Ross down and, and you would maybe record me and Ross recording or, or talking at your countryside. But but now, like, in the, in the everyday normalcy of the life we live in, um, you know, our, our good friend now has that additional burden of having to cover the costs of having to bury one of his own. So I do want to put that out there for anyone who's listening. If, you know, you want to throw $5, $10 towards Ross, that would be uh, immensely well received. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And so I know that you could send him money via PayPal to Rossben188, but I think Cash App is his preferred means of receiving money, and that would also be that would be dollar sign Rossben188, and that should be able to get to him. And so, anyone who might be listening to this, and particularly now that you have an understanding, like you know, I feel like you're in an intimate hold right now. Uh, and if you feel like you want to show whatever sort of support or respect or honor that you can, that might be a really nice way to do so. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and thank you for, for saying that. I'll put all the the links you just mentioned in the uh, description for people so they can just copy-paste it into whichever app they prefer. And, uh, yeah, Ross Ben's show... From the 40th parallel that he does with yourself, it's 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 not just his show; it's your show as well. Uh, that's on this RSS feed, so people who are familiar yeah, with this show are, are very familiar with Ross Ben because I take all the videos and and trans, you know turn them into audio and put them in this RSS feed for people who you know were like me when I was a delivery driver and and didn't have time, couldn't support people on YouTube, unfortunately, but podcast I was able to you know there we go that would be great that'd be you know you're, you're absolutely right like he is he is very intimately connected to this RSS feed so, well in this um, show too right I mean yeah definitely uh, someone that I've learned a lot from and I had the 
you know, opportunity to meet him thanks to you, which was a really cool thing, and get a tour of Wissahickon. So, and I'm sure he's gonna still have stuff like that uh, going on in the future. But yeah, obviously, uh, our our plans in Gnome Countryside will have to be without Ross this time, I guess. Uh, yes, sir. Sir. Uh, Thank you for sharing that, Ross. Yeah. Of course, of course. So, anything else you want to add to the outro here before we wrap up? I think that is it. Uh, I don't know if you just heard. I mean, I don't. Is, is, is this inappropriate? I'm driving my car, and it was the cutest Amish girl who was on the side of the road with a line trimmer, and she was just like cleaning out the weeds. And so that was me honking on her. If you heard, if you heard that. <laughs> <laughs> we did hear you honk. I thought someone was honking at you. Okay. No, well. that, no, no, that was just me. Just like you know, I don't know. No, you're you're. She gave, you're, she gave me a little twitch in her hips because she saw me watching. <laughs> you gave her a little piece of uh, the wider culture that she is. Uh, there we go. Largely, we go. you know, separated from. The yeah, worse or exactly. for better. Exactly. You know. And life goes on uh, to our good friend Ross and to his family, you know, and, and we're all family here. You know, the uh, podcasting is very intimate, is an intimate medium and, you know, and we all kind of feel it. And, and there's, in my opinion, there's nothing, there's nothing more um, universally recognized as, as trauma than a parent losing a child. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, you know, with the culture, a lot of people are fearing their, you know, the safety and the well-being and the mental well-being of their children right now. You know, it's, a, it's sort of a externalizing in a way on the causal plane. I'll go with that. Mm. All right. Well, to everyone listening, your family, and we thank you for being here. Of course, our thoughts and prayers to Ross Ben and his family. And with that, thank you for tuning in to another chapter of your handbook for the apocalypse.